0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another Overflow pod. This is Matt, and we are talking about awesome relationships, and who wouldn't want an awesome relationship with everyone, including God? So your relationship with God has many aspects. God's your father, he's your creator. He's also your judge, your master, and your Lord. He's your savior, and he's many other things. But most shocking of all this is that God wants to be your friend. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. It's pretty simple. When we want to know what God's relationship is like, we need to go back to the very beginning of time and look at God's original relationship with people. See, when God created Adam and Eve, they enjoyed an incredibly close, intimate friendship with God. There was no religion. There were no rituals. There were no rules, except one. Don't eat from the tree. He said, you can do anything else, just that one rule. No regulations, just friendship. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve delighted in God, and he delighted in them. That's the way God wants to have a relationship with you. It was just a simple, loving relationship. And they were made to live in God's presence continually. But that ideal got ruined by sin. Sin broke the friendship, that relationship, that fellowship. And the friendship was God was lost. When you go through the Bible, it's about two-thirds of the way before we get to Jesus. And in the Old Testament, there are not many people called friends of God. There's a few. Abraham was one, Moses, David, even Enoch was a friend of God. But there weren't a lot of them. Job was a friend of his. But most people didn't have that personal relationship. In fact, most of the time, guilt and fear was more common in the relationship to God than was love and friendship. And in fact, in the Old Testament, priests had to prepare for weeks and weeks and sometimes months to get in to God's presence. It wasn't that something you could just do any day or anytime you wanted. But when Jesus came, he changed the situation. When he died on the cross and paid for our sins, the Bible says that the veil between the Holy of Holies, that's where you met God, and the outer court, the holy place was ripped from the top to the bottom and it was a symbolizing that the separation between God and man had been going on for thousands of years was now history. It was no longer there. Jesus had built a new bridge. There was no separation between us and God. Everybody had access. It wasn't one priest one day a year who could go in and feel God's presence. No. Now anybody can go into God's presence all their life. Direct access was once again available due to what Jesus did So you didn't need a priest. You didn't need anybody else. Go directly to God. Romans 5, 10 and 11 says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now, other translations put it this way. We were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son. While we were still his enemies. So we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life now. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, making us friends of God. See, all because of what Jesus did for us, we can become friends. You can't buy friendship with God, you can't bribe God, you can't bargain with him, you can't do anything to have a friendship, except simply receive God's gift of salvation, which was paid for by Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, the restoration of a relationship. It's all by God's grace and Jesus' sacrifice, and we don't do a thing. We just simply accept it. Jesus says this in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you my friends. Now, do you realize how crazy that sounds? The God of the universe says, I want you for a friend. Think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. The word here that says friends isn't, you know, just a simple word of acquaintance. No, it means a deep, close, personal, intimate comrade. It's the word used for a best man at a wedding. It's the same word used to refer to the king's inner circle. See, the king has a lot of acquaintances and thousands, maybe millions of subjects, but he has a few close friends the intimate trusted ones in a royal court you ever if you've ever had the privilege of doing that you go in you can't just go up to the king and queen and be like hey how you doing you got to keep your distance you can't even go in and see them unless you have an audience or a schedule if you will you don't just get to walk in you have to keep a certain number of feedback you have to bow you have to do protocol and etiquette but if you're part of the inner circle, You can enjoy close contact, direct access, and even confidential information. Now, how important is this to God that you actually become a friend of him? Listen to this in Exodus 34, 14. He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Hosea 6, 6 says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Can you hear the passion there in that verse? Those are the two first purposes of your life, to know and love God. And you miss that. You miss the number one purpose in your life. Because God did not put you on this planet to just do stuff, to take up space, to mark things off your to-do list. God put you on this planet to know and love him, to have a relationship with him. If you miss that relationship, if you miss that friendship, you miss the very purpose for which you were created. Nothing is more important than that. So, you can be the most famous, the most successful, the most accomplished person on the planet. But if you don't know and love God, you missed out on why you were made. Because you weren't simply made to do things. God says, I want you to know me. I want you to love me. And the Bible says that God planned the entire universe and then he orchestrated all of history, including your personal life history, so that you would come to know him, that we could become his friends how in the world is that possible? How can we be friends with God? I mean, he's God. We're just one of a billion people on a planet. We're visible. He's invisible. We're weak. He's omnipotent. We're imperfect. He's perfect. How does a flawed, finite creature have friendship with an unflawed, perfect, omnipotent, invisible God? How does that happen? Well, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Let me give you some practical steps on how to really deepen that friendship with God. Because it can seem a little daunting to want to be like, how can I have an awesome relationship with God? How is that even possible? And maybe you've known God all your life, but how do you build the friendship? Let's let's look at it practically. Number one, make knowing God the number one priority in your life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Do it first. One of the best And quite frankly, easiest habits you can do every morning is before you get out of bed, before you put your clothes on, just sit there for a second before you check your phone and talk to God and say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I want to love you more and know you better. Because at the end of the day, if I know God more and love him better, that day was a success, regardless of what I got done or how much went wrong with it. And if I know God a little bit better, and I love him a little bit more, then the day was a success. Paul says it like this. Everything else is worthless compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus. I've discarded everything else, counting all it is garbage so that I may know Christ. So make it your number one priority. Now, are you doing that? Are you seeking God with all your heart every day? <laughs> Not likely. I mean, I know I don't. So I don't expect you to either. This is not a one-time thing. This is a process that will go on throughout our entire life. If you're going to become a friend with God, you got to want it. And I know from my life experience, when I wake up and say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I want to love you more and know you better. I start off the day on the right foot. My whole day is different. I'm motivated by the right things to do what I need to do. It changes everything, and it's so short and simple and sweet. And it takes hardly any time or effort. But what it does is it sets you up throughout the day. And I can't begin to tell you how much of a game changer it is. And if you don't listen to anything else I say today, do this one thing every day when you wake up in the morning before you do anything else. Talk to God and say, God, I want to know you a little bit more today. I want to love you a little bit better. Help me to do that. Think about this. You're as close to God as you want to be. You can't blame anybody else. You can't blame your wife, your husband, your parents, your kids. You're as close as you want to be. And if you feel far from God, guess who moved? (laughs) You did. You didn't make the number one priority of your life. Now, how do you know when God isn't your best friend? Very simple. The secret is in Matthew 6. In the mark of a person who doesn't know God, it's one word, worry. See, when you worry, it means you don't know that God at that moment, you've forgotten who he is. You've forgotten all the things that he has done, what he's promised to do in your life. You're acting like you're an atheist. You're acting like there's no God. You're acting like it all depends on you. And every time you're worrying, every time you worry, you're saying, I don't really know God at this moment. He's not my friend. So you have to make it the number one priority. Two, the second key to building a deep relationship with God is to slow down and be quiet. If you don't make time for your human friends, they're not your friends, right? You don't make time for your friends. And if God is going to be your best friend, you got to give your time to God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. You need to have a daily quiet time with God. Psalm 25.14 says, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who reverence him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant see most people don't know about God they don't know how God acts they don't know why he does what he does and they don't know what's going on in the world why because friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him they sit down they slow down they're quiet and they spend time with God what would a friend be if you never spend any time with them you'll never have God as your best friend if you if all you do is go to church services on Sunday you got to just be quiet and still and get down. Read his word and listen and say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? You don't have to use fancy phrases. Just talk to God authentically. Matthew 6, in the message paraphrase says, when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. I love that paraphrase. Just find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense His grace. That'll lower your stress. Making knowing God number one priority and then slow down and be quiet. Then, third, decide whose friendship you want the most. You don't have time for everybody to be your friend. You really, you just don't. You can't put time into everybody. And if everybody else is going to be your friend, you're not going to have time for God. You got to decide who you want most to be your best friend. First Timothy six says some people have missed the most important thing in their life. They don't know God. They know the score of their team. They know who got drafted this weekend. They know all the players on their football team. They know all the top 10 songs. They know how to do their favorite recipes. They know all kinds of things. They know who is in and out in every soap opera. They know all the ins and outs of the Johnny Depp defamation trial, but they don't know God. They miss the most important thing in their life. How do you miss friendship with God? Real simple. You care about something else more. That's why you're not a friend of God. You care about something else more, and you're missing the relationship you were designed for with your creator. First John 2, 15 to 17 says you should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, this can confuse us since we all know John 3.16 where it says God to love the world. So which one is it? Am I supposed to love the world or not love the world? God loved the world, but he tells me if I love the world, I'll become the enemy of God. It's the meaning of the word world that solves this problem. In John 3.16, he's talking about the people in the world. And in 1 John 2.16, he's talking about the value system of the world. And God says, I want you to love the people and hate the value system. You know what the problem is we do the exact opposite we love the value system we hate the people we love materialism we love pleasure we love popularity we love prestige we love passion possession position all the p's we love all the values of the world and we hate the people and god says no you got it all wrong you got it all backwards if you're going to be a friend of god you got to care about what god cares about and god doesn't care about how you appear, your image. He's not interested in your reputation. He's interested in your character. Not how you look, but what and who you are. I have to choose to value what God values. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you obey me. Now, let me clarify this. When I said that God wants us to be his friends, we are friends with God, but we are no way equal to God. Does that make sense? See, we can be friends with God, but we're not equal to him. Let me let me explain it this way. If there's a king of some country, say England, and I become that person's friend, I may be able to go up to Buckingham Palace and I may be trusted by him and I may have confidence of his and I may have information other people don't know and all kinds of things, but I'm still not the king. I still have to schedule when I go into the palace. I just can't walk in and say, hey, what's up, king? Let's don't get that confused. I'm just a friend of the king. I'm not the king, but I'm still subject to the king, like everybody else is. I may have more privileges because I'm a friend of the king, but I'm still not the king. And I have to do what he says. Friends of the king have special privileges, but they're still subject. So what's he saying? You're my friends if you obey me. I can't say I love Jesus and then I go live like the devil. (laughs) I can't say I'm a Christian and then live a self-centered life. I can't say I'm a follower of Jesus, then pick and choose the verses I want to listen to and ignore the ones I don't. Jesus says, you're my friend if you obey me, if you obey my commands. Now, why do we obey God? Now, non-believers get this wrong all the time. And they look at Christians and go, you're so restricted. You have to obey God as a Christian. That's why I don't want to become a Christian. You obey a God out of guilt or obey him out of fear or out of obligation or out of duty. I don't want to do those things. I want to be my own man. Why do I obey God? Well, I obey God because he loves me. He loves me like none of you or anybody else will ever love me. We love because he first loved us. And the Bible says the only reason why there's love in the world is because God is love. We love, so we obey God. Not out of fear, not out of guilt, not out of obligation. We obey God out of love because he loved us because he saved us. Our past was forgiven. He gives us a purpose for living, and he will provide a home in heaven. That's why we obey him. Jesus says in John 15, I loved you as the Father has loved me. Well, how does the Father love Jesus? Unconditionally. John 15 continues, when you obey me, you reign in my love, just as I remain in my Father's love when I obey him. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy, Yes, your joy will overflow. He doesn't say, I want you to obey me because you're scared to death of me. You're afraid of punishment. It's going to lead you to misery. He says, I want you to obey me because it leads to love. Because you love me and because I love you. And it's going to lead to joy. It's the best way to live. When I think I know better how to live than God, I'm always in trouble. Just model for me the fourth way to build a friendship with God. Number four, by maintaining a constant conversation. You're never going to build a friendship just by attending church on the weekends. You've got to maintain a daily constant conversation. you got to talk with God all the time about anything, everything, whatever you're feeling, all day, 24 hours a day. You just have to have this running conversation with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray some of the time. No, it doesn't. It says pray all the time. Muslims, Muslims believe they're supposed to pray to God five times a day. But God says, no, 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 no. It's all the time. Not five, not six, not ten. All the time. Pray without ceasing. Would your life be better if you prayed as much as you text? What if you talked to God as much as you talk to somebody else texting or on social media or phone? What are you doing on texting? You're just keeping the conversation going. How's it going? Fine what'd you eat? I had a burrito. You can have an ongoing conversation with God. Well, that burrito is coming back up. <laughs> the same way you text constantly, you can pray constantly. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes, especially if you're driving. You better not. Philippians 3.10 says in the Amplified Version, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. You do that by, with God by maintaining a constant conversation. And I've come to realize that the only way I can maintain a constant conversation is if I start the day with it. I have to start somewhere, right? The beginning of the conversation has to begin somewhere, And if I do it before I get out of bed, it sets up my entire day. And I'm much more likely to talk to God throughout the day when I ask him right at the beginning, God, help me. I want to know you better, and I want to learn to love you a little bit more today. This is an important one. If you're going to build a friendship with God, maintain a constant conversation. Number five, trust God in your pain. See, every friendship is based on trust build on it. The difference between acquaintance and a friend is this, talk and trust. You talk with acquaintances, you trust your friends. If you don't trust somebody, they're not your friend. You may spend eight hours a day with them, but they're not your friend. They're just an acquaintance. The bedrock of every friendship is trust, and that's true with God as well. You got to trust him, especially when things don't make sense, when things are backwards, when things start going sideways and they don't make sense. And you're going under, and you're thinking, I'm going under. Psalm fifty-five twenty-two 22 says, Cast all your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. That word cast there isn't like talking like when you think about throwing a fishing line, you're casting it really far out into the water. No, the casting there just means like dump. Just dump it, drop it, cast it. Dump all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. God actually lets you go through pain in order to draw you closer to him. You see, pain is the fuel of passion. And when you're going through a tough time, all of a sudden your prayers get a whole lot more intense. Have you noticed that? When you're in deep pain, you don't go, oh, my gracious heavenly Father who art in heaven, how art thou today? No, you go, help! You cry out today to God, Pain is the fuel of passion. It energizes you with intensity. We cry out. And God says, I'm going to bring you closer to me. One of the things I've learned is this. The more honest you are to God, the deeper your friendship will be. See, God can handle your frankness. He can handle your cries. He can handle your complaints. He can handle your accusations. He can handle your anger. In the Psalms, out of the 150 Psalms, a third of them are laments. You know what laments are? Basically saying, life sucks, God. What the heck is going on? I don't like it. And when God hears you complaining to him in your prayers, God says, that's not audacious. That's authentic. Don't hide who you are. God knows who you are. Just be honest. He can handle your honesty. You're never going to have a deep friendship with God unless you get gut-level honest about your fears, your flaws, your faults, your friends, and everything else doesn't have to be fancy or flowery. I'm not a flowery prayer. But God says, just be gut honest with me. And when you're hurting, tell me. Why? Because it keeps you from becoming bitter. Bitterness is the number one enemy of friendship with God. And some of us just need to admit, God, I've been bitter. I've been angry. I've been hurt. And I don't understand it. I need you to help me to deal with it. Trust God to deal with it. And trust him in your pain. And if you're facing trouble right now, I don't know what it is, but you do. And you're in trouble, maybe it's physical or emotional or relational or financial or whatever. God offers to help you out. Psalm 91, 14 says, I'll get you out of your trouble and I'll give you the best of care if you only get to know and trust me. That's the condition. You gotta trust God. You gotta build a friendship with him. And for those of you, who've been close to God in the past, but now you've kind of drifted away. You're kind of like Job. Job 29, 4 says, In my early years, the friendship with God was felt in my home. Maybe you grew up in a home that had faith. Maybe years ago you were close to God, and you're not so close anymore. It's kind of worn off. The Feelings wore, wore away. The heat's not there. The passion's not there. Job says, In my early years, I felt the friendship of God. Don't you want to get that back? Here's what God says to you in Jeremiah 15. If you return to me, I will restore you. I'm not gonna block the gate. He's not gonna spank you or criticize you or cajole you or judge you. The verse continues. So you can continue to serve me. If you speak words that are worthy, you will be my spokesman. You are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. Have other people in your life been influencing you in the wrong way? It's keeping you from a friendship with God not your friend. They've been influencing you in the wrong way. And maybe you followed them in the wrong way and you've gotten off track. But God says here, if you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve. God is not finished with you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it with or to. I don't care how long you've done it. What matters is not where you've been, but the direction your feet are headed in right now. God is not finished with you. He gave up his son Jesus to forgive you of all you will ever and have done, and to restore his relationship with you if you just ask. Don't forget how much God loves you. And that love is our basis for our desire to love him back. And it's the basis of our friendship. God tells us: if you return to me, I will restore you. So wherever you are, how is your relationship with God? He wants to be friends with you. Yes, the God of the universe wants you. The ball's in your hands. What are you going to do? Well, I hope that encouraged you today. And I will see you next week on a brand new series that I have absolutely no idea what it's going to be about. So surprise! See you next week.